We left off on page uh, 92, but just uh, going back over where we had been um, and looking at this section. So you see the salvation of the uh, Samaritans and and those within Samaria, particularly uh, Simon, who ends up converting and believing the gospel. Uh, but then we see uh, that old sin nature creep back in, right? And that uh, desire for admiration. We, we just can't get rid of it, right, Brother Don? <laughs> um, but we see this, and then uh, we're going to see specifically his story and, and what he desires to do in having this uh, spiritual gift that the apostles have and being able to utilize that, and then the effects of that. Uh, and the summary, I would say, that we've talked about before is this uh, seriousness of the Holy Spirit and the gravity of, of what he's doing in his ministry on earth. So let's read uh, from verse 14. And we see that uh, Peter and John are sent to Samaria to confirm uh, those saints that have been saved there. And then uh, we, we see the story here of, of Simon continue on. But in verse 14, it says, now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was not fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands uh, on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered money, saying, Give me also this authority, that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he might receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the free gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner, matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of unrighteousness. Then answered Simon and said, Pray or supplicate you ye, uh, the, to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they uh, that were, er, and when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And so we see here uh, the the sum of this story. Maybe we'll get to the end of it today. Uh, but you see uh, the disciples coming down to confirm those that believed. We see. Simon being mesmerized by this gift of being able to lay hands and, and impart the Holy Spirit. And then we see uh, the after effects of that. Uh, so we'll, we'll continue on with this study. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Uh, and Lynn does have a couple pages there for you, <laughs> 93 and 94. All right. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful for another opportunity uh, to be here. Uh, grateful for this study and your word. And though... Uh, Everything in Acts is not necessarily applicable uh, to us as the church, as we see that they were uh, transitioning uh, from those things that uh, were given during Christ's earthly ministry to the effects of those things that were given and uh, with the impartation of the Holy Spirit. We still understand that there's a lot of things in here that are good for our knowledge just to know 
uh, where we as a church came from and uh, we understand better and, and appreciate where we are and where we're going. And so we uh, pray that as we continue through this study that uh, it would do just that. It would cause us to have a great appreciation for those things that have been provided to us by grace and for those that have come before us and, and set the standard for how we are to live today. And so we're grateful for all these things. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so I think we left off at the top of page 92. That's what my note says, at least. I did remember to mark it this time. <laughs> and so we see uh, the receiving of the Holy Spirit by those uh, in Samaria, and it's done by this laying on of hands, right? And so uh, we've talked about it before uh, in this study, even uh, this hocus pocus that exists today surrounding this laying on of hands, right? As if some power is coming out from your hands onto that person. Look there. <laughs> Andrea laid her hands on Troy and Troy became joyful. Look at that. <laughs> it wasn't parted. Um, but I think it was more the power of God. And it's more the, this act of laying on of hands is just the apostles aligning with the desire that God uh, wanted done there. And so it, it wasn't by the power of man. It's never by the power of man. It's never by the authority of man. I don't think they had to lay their hands upon them for them to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon these men, but it shows that the authority was given through these apostles, right, for these individuals to receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so in point B, we see this receiving of the Holy Spirit, and it says uh, in verse 17, uh, am I in the right place? Yes. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so uh, this looks to the fact that the apostles laid their hands upon each of the believing Samaritans. And they were uh, really, you could translate it, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So as they were laying their hands upon each one of them, they were each uh, having imparted the Holy Spirit. Now remember also, that we, we set out what the difference is between the receivings of the Holy Spirit, because it happened in Acts at different times for different people, right? I'm missing, right. missing we, notes. Where we at? <laughs> Chapter 8 of Acts in verse uh, 17. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Kind of oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 17 is where we're at. And so as you, you look back during the, the gospel, the Holy Spirit was promised, right? And the Lord continued to reiterate to them that after he was gone, the Holy Spirit was going to come. Uh, at the day of Pentecost, we see that there were believers that were gathered there and they all received in this act of the Holy Spirit coming and coming directly on them. But there were some that weren't there, right? There were many that were saved during Christ's earthly ministry that weren't there at the day of Pentecost. And so particularly we get an example of this in Acts chapter 19, where those ones that say, hey, we received or we believe through John's baptism and they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Right. And so Paul had to go and lay their, his hands on them. But where we see it transition to where individuals were receiving the Holy Spirit as soon as they believed, the first example you can see of it is over there in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. Right. And so the gospel is given right by Peter to these Gentiles and immediately the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Nobody had to go and lay their hands on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit. He fell upon them. Right. Just as he had at the day of Pentecost. And so I think 
uh, and I've postulated that it's uh, once the whole or the word or the gospel had gotten out to all the groups that were promised there in chapter one, you see now that the Holy Spirit starts to come upon individuals as soon as they believe. Um, and so here you still have this act of, of laying on hands in, in verse uh, 17. Now, in verses 18 and 19, we see Simon uh, going back to his old ways, right? <laughs> what does it say over in uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 12? Let's go over there really quickly. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. This is not in your notes, but uh, just an aside. I'll borrow Brother Don. It's, his, this one's free, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll add to it. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Remember, he's drawing upon all of the examples that were given back in the Old Testament and saying, hey, look at what these people accomplished. And they don't even have what you have. They don't have a Holy Spirit. They didn't have the indwelling uh, persons of the Godhead, uh, but they were able to accomplish great things just because of their obedience to God and, and, and their desire to be well pleasing to him. And so in verse one, it says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You see, there's uh, for each one of us, there's things that we struggle with. Right. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy in this Christian life. If God would have said, hey, I'm going to abolish this sin nature and I'm going to take away all your other enemies. This would be an easy Christian life. Right. <laughs> we would just walk through this life. We would do everything that God desires for us to do. We wouldn't have a desire for anything else. But unfortunately, that's fairy tale land, right? We have things that, that kind of draw our attention away from God, right? And sometimes we give in to those things. Simon had the same thing going on for him. And you see a very clear picture painted here in chapter 8 of who he was prior to when he was saved and who he was after. And who he was before starts to creep back in to his present. And he sees, hey, these guys have legitimate power, right? And maybe he even thought before that he had power and he was doing these things and these people were amazed by them. And he says, hey, that wasn't power what I had before. This is power and I want this. And so what does he do? He desires to purchase this gift so that he can be revered, I think, before men. And so going back to chapter eight of Acts in verse 18, and we see it says there, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me also not power there. It says power in your in your English text, but it's the authority. Right. It's not even the power. If it were the power, it would mean it was generated from that individual, the ability to do this. It's the authority that on whom whomsoever I lay my hands, he might receive the Holy Spirit. And so as you look at this, Simon finds an opportunity to have real power or real authority here that's generated from God. And he wants it. Right. He saw the ability of the apostles or the uh, ability that's wrought through them. And he offers money because he wants it for himself to be held in the previous esteem that he had before his salvation. And the old nature uh, is at constant war with the new. Now, <laughs> as we look at it here, uh, we look at Simon and say, boy, this is ridiculous, right? 
Why would you ever offer money for something that God uh, allows for you to do? Well, I would submit to you that we do the very same thing, right? <laughs> it might not be for a gift, but there might be something else that we find interesting in our sinful nature and say, huh, <laughs> right? I know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but boy, it sure does feel good, right? It might not be the admiration of people. It might just be something else. I'm not going to start prying (laughs) into all of our sin natures, but there is something else that makes us feel good. It is not what God desires, right? And so we get in our minds, boy, I know this is not right. (laughs) I know it's not. But it feels so good. right? And so you you have this constant war going on within yourself. And it's no different than what Simon had going on early. And guess what? He didn't have a fully developed understanding of the spiritual enemies like you and I have. And so he gives in (laughs) to that simple nature. Um, Now, think of it as when we fulfill the sin nature, it's making our souls feel good. Right. There's no spiritual benefit to us going and and giving in to the sin nature because we've been saved in the realm of our spirit. But our souls, hey, they want to do what feels good. Now I'm going to direct you over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39. And as we think about this, this was not revelation that was given to Simon at this point in time. And uh, Brother Don and I were kind of talking about this last week. As you look at these guys, they're almost having to (laughs) grin and I can I can make it through this. They're having to shoot, shoot, not shoot, string it. They're having to do it on their own, basically. Right. Because they didn't have a fully developed understanding of how you overcome the sin nature or how you overcome any of your spiritual enemies. This is all still developing at the time. But look at this re- revelation that was given by the uh, author of Hebrews. And we've talked about it many times here. And so he's looking in contrast with what the Hebrews were doing before. At, at one point in time, they were having success in overcoming their sin nature. They were losing things and they were still conducting themselves in the right way as Christians. And now they've hit a point where, hey, it's not happening. Right. And we all get there where you have experienced maturity and you're at a consistent pace of growth. And then, boom, you hit a wall. Right. Something trips you up. And you're not not doing it like you were before. And this is where they were. And so Paul or well, I almost said it. <laughs> Paul, uh, the author of Hebrews says in verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. They had a lot of things coming at them, a lot of things at once. The walls were closing in. And guess what? They were living in their position in Christ. But. Verse 33, it says, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion. Really here, this is you suffered together uh, with me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. 
For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And so what is he talking about here? He's talking about keeping in mind the goal, right? (laughs) We don't start off anything just looking at what's in front of you. That's no way to accomplish any task. If you look at the day to day thing, you're going to get lost up in all of the failures that come along with that day to day struggle. Right. And the same is true of your Christian life. And we've taught messages before. Remember my uh, analogy of all good boys love milk and the pastor wouldn't let me get in the car without reciting these things to him. So now it's seared in my mind. But (laughs) one of those was to aim high in steering, to set a fixed goal ahead of you so that you stay straight in your lane. And if we just focus on what's in front of us, we start to to swerve and veer off either way. (laughs) You don't keep straight in your lane. And so what is he talking about here? He's talking about keeping your fixed goal down the line, right? For success, you keep your eyes on that goal. In the business world, they call it a vision, right? The whole company is supposed to have a vision that you're collectively (laughs) thinking through in order to be successful as a business. Um, And so you see this here as well. He's telling them, look down the line. Look at what's coming. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition or, or destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so what is the point here? Our soul is not currently saved. So we're going to be subject to the desires that are coming from our sin nature, which wage war against our souls, right? They want, your sin nature wants to tell you, this feels good, this feels good, this feels good, do it, right? And yet we have a spirit that is regenerate. And so what, what is this verse saying? It's saying uh, we have been, or we have the ability to control our soul by our saved spirit. Now, this is not revelation that was unfortunately given to poor Simon, right? And so he's, he's having to just walk his way through it. And he's uh, having these desires from his sin nature here, and, and they're not right. And Peter tells him about it as we go back over to chapter 8. But look to um, verse 19. We see the request of the apostles. And so he's asking them to grant him the authority to impart the Holy Spirit on whomever he chooses. And Simon's desires uh, are revealed to be out of a selfish nature by Peter. And so it wasn't that he wanted these this authority for himself to be able to impart something to other believers so that they could receive something good. He's wanting the notoriety of doing it for himself. Right. It's it's all a selfish motivation. And so in verse 20, we see it uh, stated there by Peter. He says, Uh, But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought the free gift from God might be purchased or may be purchased with money. And so, first of all, in Peter's judgment here, he's saying that you think that something that God freely gives to everyone can be purchased with man's money. Does that make any sense? Well, I can make sense of it with your televangelists today. They're pretty bent on man's money for God's gift, right? Uh, I told you about the 
uh, televangelist that I heard late nights when I was working overnight uh, that would scream, Come on! <laughs> out very loud, and he would draw my attention. So I had to go in and say, Who the heck is this that's screaming this in the middle of the night? And I go in and watch this guy, and he's uh, desiring to mail out prayer uh, napkins to people so that they could be healed from, from this prayer napkin that he's sending to people. Uh, the supposed free gift of God being purchased with money uh, sounds a little bit similar there, right? Uh, but we see this uh, here with um, uh, Simon. And so as you look at the verse in verse 20, you see this but, and we always call attention to this because it's a strong adversative to what you saw in the previous context. And so the adversarial relationship between Simon's request and Peter's response is what's at view. And it, it really calls out the fact that what Simon was asking is in direct contradiction to what God desired, right? And so you see that with one simple word there, but. Peter specifies the form of money being offered by Simon. And so you see money in your text, but it's really silver. And so he offered him silver uh, in order to have this gift. And so this was a form of currency offered for Judas to betray the Lord. And so I'm not calling any uh, direct correlation to that other than the fact that they both use silver. But look over in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 15. And we see this with old Judas. Now, what's comparative as we, we look at these is that uh, people using money as a means uh, really against the desires of God. And you see this with, with Judas. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 15. I might have. <laughs> you never know. 15. You guys know me well enough now. <laughs> And pick it up in verse 14. It says there, uh, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. Now this shows you that Judas was seeking them out, right? They didn't seek him out. He sought them out. And he wants uh, a, a prize for delivering the Lord. And they uh, covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. And so you see here, this is the form of money uh, that was used in the betrayal of the Lord. We also see in Matthew 28 and verse 12 that the form of payment from the Roman soldiers from the priests to keep back the truth concerning the Lord's resurrection. And that's Matthew 28 and verse 12. So now... <laughs> Very interesting here, the, the, uh, just the lengths that these priests went, went to to cover this up, right? Uh, oh, somebody probably will take his body away and try to claim that he was risen and all of these different things. Well, if they really believe that, why are they paying people to hide, hide the secrets of this truth? Why wouldn't they just go forward and say, hey, somebody took his body, right? But no, they don't do that. And so we see this in, in Matthew uh, 28. Pick it up in verse 11. It says, now behold, when they were going, behold, or now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the ch uh, chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, 
they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to, to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this uh, saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, shouldn't that be able to stand on its own? <laughs> right. You, you shouldn't have to offer money to someone to say they came and took the soldiers away if that was, or the, the body away if that was the truth. But that obviously is not the truth. Right. And they understand this as well. But you see this money again, silver here offered as the reward for it. And then lastly, well, not lastly, but another verse we see over in Luke chapter nine and verse three. It was encouraged by the Lord to be left behind when he called the disciples. And so amongst other things that he told them. Yes. Luke nine, three. And when we talk about following the Lord, you know, we, we can draw a lot of parallels from the Gospels to our Christian life today. And people do that in Christendom. Right. Uh, but really, we're speaking very generally of what they did. Right. I don't know of anyone today that is just left behind every single thing that they have and went and followed the Lord. Right. Because that's what they did during Christ's earthly ministry. They literally left everything behind and followed him. And this is not what's going on today. Uh, and they literally followed him and his, his uh, personal uh, existence. Uh, but in verse one, it says, then he called uh, his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over dev all devils and to cure, di all, or to cure diseases. And he sent them uh, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script. Neither bread, neither money, there's our word for silver, neither have two coats apiece, and whatsoever house you enter, there abide and thence depart. And so he's calling them to a, a vagabond ministry, right? They're basically homeless. They basically have nothing, and they're relying on him everywhere they go for their sustenance, right? A complete reliance upon God. Don't bring any money with you. Now imagine this today. <laughs> you're you're like uh, the legend of uh, Kung Fu, just walking the earth, right? <laughs> and, and you're going everywhere you're going, and God is providing everything that you need. That's truly following God, like the disciples were doing. Uh, I don't see people doing that when they say that they're following the Lord. Now, I'm, I may be railing against something a little hard, but. Uh, it's 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 funny to me the things that people say and they don't give any second thought to if this actually aligns with what scripture was saying. Uh, but silver being a part of the things that they were supposed to leave behind. Top of page 93. We see in Acts that uh, silver was disregarded by Peter when he requested or when it was requested by the lame man. And so uh, remember here before Peter does his healing. In Acts chapter 3 of this lame man, what was the lame man requesting? He was requesting silver. Now, imagine here, I, I think if he could have been told, hey, you can either have silver or you can have your body healed and be able to have something that you've never had before in your life. I, I think he would have took the healing, right? <laughs> and left the silver behind. Silver is not as all, at, at all as valuable as what he ended up receiving. But pick, pick it up in verse one of chapter three of Acts. 
And he says there now, uh, it says there now, Peter and John went up uh, together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain lame, or a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave, excuse me, he gave, uh, he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something. And so he's expecting to receive money. <laughs> Peter's going to give him even better. In verse six, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such things as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered uh, with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And so, hey, you go in expecting money, you get even better. right? And so uh, the value of this silver is not in weight with the eternal things of God. And God is able to provide uh, physical healing to this man uh, who was uh, wounded in this way from his mother's birth or from his birth from his mother. <laughs> Uh, also, over in uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse 19, we see the value of what uh, was accrued through these uh, books that were turned in by these Ephesians after they believed. And so they were paid in the form of silver and likely took this money and, and put it toward the church. And it doesn't say that specifically, but we see that uh, happen in other instances here in, in Acts. So we would... Uh, likely see the same thing but pick it up in verse 17 uh i don't want to go all the way back to the the seven sons of Sceva, which is prior to this pick it up in verse 18 and it says uh, many that believe came and confessed and showed uh, their deeds or doings and many of them also which were used curious arts uh, and this is that we looked at this before, this mysticism or sorcery uh, surrounding all of these books and incantations and different things they were doing. Uh, and so they brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. And so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And so you see here the, the value of the, this book would have been measured or these books would have been measured in silver. Uh, and I said they took the money, they burned it. And so uh, uh, you see that money burned up, up in smoke, as it were. <laughs> so they didn't even want to take the books and, and sell them for the value. They just wanted them gone. And so you see that here uh, with silver. And then over in Acts chapter 20 and verse 33, we see that it's not uh, sought or silver was not sought by Paul in his relationship with the believers at Ephesus. And so as he's ministering to them. Uh, he didn't desire any money. And you've seen P P uh, Paul say this a lot of times, right? Uh, someone that preaches the word is worthy. And he says that in first in, uh, Corinthians or second Corinthians chapter nine. But uh, he didn't desire this from people. In fact, he worked on his own and was willing to uh, earn his own wage. And so he didn't request this from from any of the uh, Ephesians uh, 
uh, saints. And so here, uh, as he's departing and leaving these last words uh, for these elders, this is one of the instructions he gives them. But in verse 29, he says, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to seduce or to draw away uh, disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I have ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all the ones having been sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or, or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. And so he said, hey, <laughs> when I was with you, all I did was gave you the, the God's message, right? I taught you the things that you needed to learn. And now it's time for you to put those things to use, right? I had not desired any money from among you, just taught you the truth from God. Uh, and so one of those forms, again, was silver. And First uh, Peter one eighteen, and we won't go to the rest of these uh, uh, over to Peter. This is actually the last one, but we don't need to go there. It's silver is seen as less than uh, eternal things due to its potential for corruption. Actually, let's go to that one. First Peter chapter one and verse 18, because it really drives home the contradiction of what Simon is saying here, that he's offering this physical money, right? Or physical form of money in the form of silver for the eternal gift from God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Um, pick it up at verse 13. He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which is uh, which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you have, as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. From your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, uh, but with the precious blood of, of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now you see here the value of the uh, spiritual things that are given from God when weighed with those physical things that are on the earth. It's just not in balance, right? <laughs> These things that are, are physical and, and meaningful in this life, like silver is, it's, it's of a value, right? Or gold, any of these precious metals. Uh, you think of the physical assets that you can have in this life. They're very valuable in this life when weighed with other people. But when you weigh them with eternity and we understand how brief this life is with with reference to eternity, it's just not the same. Right. What does Peter say a, a couple of chapters later in Second Peter? He said talks about 
uh, a thousand years being as a day with the Lord, with the Lord, and a day is with a thousand years. People take that very literally, but what it simply means is God is eternal. He inhabits eternity. So time and years don't matter with him. Time and years matter with us. And as we think about this life and keep our eyes glued on, on the things of this life, yeah, those, those physical things sometimes seem to be valuable. But when you think of eternity, they dwindle. And so where is Simon's mind? Simon is saying, hey, I have something of value in this life. I have silver that I can offer you for this free gift from God. And Peter's going to read him the riot act here shortly. Uh, but we see silver it was a representation of value during that time and used for commerce. Any form of currency and representations of stored work and value of an individual. And so think of that as what it is. And anytime you're talking about money, you're talking about people's work, right? And that's stored up labor uh, that's a value has been placed on. And so here Simon is corrupted in his understanding of God's workings with men, thinking that the value of this free gifting can be assigned through man's uh, commercial methods. It is here that we find Simon's former occupation and passion prior to his conversion, which was performing for people and receiving adulation, is perverting his present activity. And so right after being saved, right? Right after seeing the miracles that were done, again, that old sin nature unfortunately creeps back in. And so back over to chapter 8, And we're going to see Peter's response here shortly further. Uh, But Peter's wish uh, was for Simon uh, or or has a wish for Simon in his response. And so he expresses the wish for Simon's silver to be abolished with Simon uh, from Peter's perspective, not God's. And so what is he saying here? He said, your money can be abolished with you. And so one of the things me and Brother Don were talking about was interesting here at the end of this chapter is you see, they don't have a fully developed understanding of what their present tense salvation encompasses. Obviously, here, Peter thinks, hey, you can lose your salvation in this thing that you've done. You can lose your salvation and your money can be abolished with you, right? Because you think that the things of this world are as important as the eternal things of God. And we're going to see that that understanding develops over time. What do we talk about at the outset? These uh, believers in the book of Acts don't necessarily have the understanding of salvation that you and I have today. And so we're going to see that uh, many other examples of that throughout the book of Acts. And so he expresses the assumption uh, of Simon based on his request. And so the assignment of human value uh, to uh, with God's power and authority. And so in verse 21, we see that this gift that's given The spiritual gift that these apostles have is free, right? There is nothing they've done to earn it. It's given by grace. And so therefore, it's a free gift, right? And it's not given to everyone. And we see that with all spiritual gifts. A lot of times in today's time, people want to assign themselves gifts. And so I guess it is free because (laughs) they've given it to themselves, right? And they say, I have this authority, I am I am this. I'm an apostle. I, I have the ability to speak in tongues or a lot of these gifts that were free gifts given in, in the Bible days. But we see they're not necessarily an activity here today. Uh, but in verse 21, he says, thou hast neither part 
nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. And so what is he saying? We see the emphasis on the impartation from God. And so this free gift is something that God gave, uh, not that is uh, attained by man. And so Simon did not have a part. This word for meris means a part out from a whole. And so if you thought of a pie, right, a pie is made. You can slice that pie into eight, well, I think eight equal parts. I'm not great at math, but you can slice it in eight parts and take one of those pieces out. That piece that you have is a part of the whole, right? And so that's the, the kind of thing he's saying here. We see it over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5, where this is mentioned as uh, uh, Paul talking about the apostles and them knowing out from a part, right? Each each person uh, has their specific role. First uh, Corinthians chapter three and verse five. Now, remember here, the Corinthian saints are saying, hey, I like this guy. Oh, I like this guy a little bit more. Uh, no, this guy speaks a little bit better. I like him. Uh, and some are actually of the right category that they're saying, hey, I'm out from Christ, right? We're, we're Christ's party. We're not in with these men parties that you guys have created. But pick it up in verse one. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you are not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able for you are yet carnal. For whereas uh, there is among you envying and strives and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave unto every man? I have planted, uh, Apollos watered, and God caused to increase." I'm missing my word here. Where is it? And I say verse five. Uh, I don't see it in verse five. Let me continue reading. Uh, Verse seven, it says, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God uh, that giveth the increase. Um, I'm not saying it there. Uh, The word for part. Um, But you can see it through the individual roles of these uh, men. Uh, But specifically, I think over in chapter 13, verse 9, is where you definitely see it. And I guess you could tie these two together. That's maybe what I was thinking. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9. Yes, this is where it is. Uh, And so pick it up in verse eight. It says, love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, really there you could say, we know out from a part and we prophesy out from a part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. 
And so you see these individual roles of people, right? <laughs> this guy over here has a role, and this is kind of what he was expressing there earlier in the book. This guy over here has a role, but God is working all of these things together for his purpose, right? And so that there's where you get the idea of, of uh, part and how that word is working with Simon. Yeah, I think more I was using the uh, just kind of the spirit of what he was saying there, not the specific word. You got me, Sister Lynn. <laughs> Top of page 94, we see Simon did not inherit. Uh, and so as we're going back to chapter 8 and looking at this, uh, he didn't have a part. <laughs> there was no part of it or a role for him in this. And then he didn't inherit this uh, either. This wasn't anything given to him by God for inheritance. And so we see the word for uh, uh, in this matter is really in this uh, inheritance or this uh that's not the word. Uh, now, it's neither part nor lot. It's the word for lot uh, speaking to inheritance. And so Simon did not inherit the ability from God. And this provides a deeper contrast between the attainment of worldly things of value and that of man. You see, God gives things of spiritual value. These things in the world that we get of value, you can work for and earn those things. Right. Uh, anybody that goes and Brother Don was talking about paychecks earlier. Uh, you go to work, and that was actually you, Brother Rick. You go to work and you work hard, they owe you that money, right? This is not something that they're you know, being nice and giving to you. <laughs> you earned it. Now, bonuses and those kind of things that they give you on top of your pay, that might be something that you didn't necessarily earn. But I would submit to you in most jobs, you're going to have to earn that bonus as well, right? But with God, there's nothing you do to earn anything that he gives to you. And so here you're, the attitude of Simon is that, hey, I can use this stored up work of others and I can pay for this gift. And he's, he's dead wrong in his assumption. And so he says in this matter, it means this word or this discourse. And so looking at that, this particular discourse in which Peter emphasizes, emphasizes the message being uh, more important than the signs and miracles. Uh, it's not just the things that he was doing. It wasn't just the miracles that he was doing or his laying on of hands for these people to receive the Holy Spirit. It's the fact that they were believing the gospel. And that was what was most important of what was being done there. Right. We've talked about it before. All that this did with these signs and miracles was confirmed that these men that are teaching you concerning this Jesus, their message is real and it's not coming from them. It's coming from God. And so uh, Simon had a complete misunderstanding of what was going on here. And lastly, we see that the matter of Simon's heart, uh, Peter tells him, your heart is not right. Right. <laughs> That's a, a very disheartening thing to say. And so as we look at the heart, it's the center of man's the man's uh, man's mental faculties of thought. And so you see the will. Or the mind, uh, which is that, that thought faculty. We see the will, where man's volition is at play. And you see the emotion, the center of man's ability to feel. And so all of those were not right, right? He's in a, a bad place with these three, three places of his heart. And then Simon's misaligned heart, uh, he says that it's not right, this idea of being straight. His, his heart is not straight with God. 
And then lastly, we see this is viewed in the sight of God. And so Simon's uh, desires did not align with those of God. And we'll come back next week and and uh, see the solution that's provided here from Peter. He paints a pretty dark picture for Simon, right? <laughs> Your nasty sin nature is out of control and it doesn't look good. Now, here's the uh, if, if you don't get it right. Here's what could happen as a result of this. And so uh, Simon's going to want no parts of these bad things that could come as a result of his actions. So he's going to ask uh, Peter to supplicate on his behalf. OK, with that, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and uh, grateful uh, that we don't have to live in fear uh, in this present tense salvation of, of those things that you uh, might allow to fall upon us. We we just live in obedience of those things that you prescribe. And so may we uh, each day that we live this life appreciate more and more the things that have been provided to us in order that we might live out a life that's uh, well-pleasing to you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.